Okay, another day, another practice run, and yet I'm gonna be putting this out there. That's fun. Anyway, um, something else that's been on my mind is figuring out what rebuilding belief in myself means. Like, you know, when you are a kid and you're very optimistic about everything and there's almost not a care in the world for, like, you're not really afraid of anything. You want to go out and try new things. You want to jump off of high places. You just have so much energy that you don't know what to do with. And maybe you're like me and some of that extra energy got you into a little bit of trouble, which is fine. I think that's a lot of us as, as ADHD folks. And as we get older, as we grow up-ish, as, as you get into the real world and get jobs and try to make money and pay your bills, there's almost like this, uh, this cutting down of your dreams, of self-confidence maybe. Like how many times have you asked yourself, I, I know I'm smart, why can't I figure this out? I want to do this, but it's too hard to get started. What if I screw it up? What if I fail? I don't know if I can really do it. Like, why should I bother? And that, that's still something that I'm fighting right now is, is why should I even bother? Because I am scared of failing. I am scared of screwing it up. I am scared of the potential that success could bring because how many of you have had a dream or an idea that was so immediately shut down that you're like, well, okay, I guess I can't, unless you are all, uh, I don't know, like a little bit oppositional and you're like, don't tell me I can't do that. I'll show you that I can do it. For me, that that's a push and pull. There's always a, a part of me that's like, yeah, I'm gonna prove you wrong. And there's also a part of me that says, well, they're probably right. And unfortunately, the, the voice that tends to win for me is the one that says, why bother? You're going to screw it up. You're going to fail. So what's the point? I went from in elementary being kind of a classic overachiever. I always wanted to be involved with all of the events, the theater stuff, building stuff, activities, recess games, artwork. Uh, I don't know, Christmas concerts and all that kind of fun stuff that you, well, I don't know if it's necessarily fun, but it had its own way of, you know, being stimulating, I guess. It, it kept me engaged. It was interesting. There was, there were problems to solve. And yeah, when you're, I don't know, when I was a kid, I had little to no fear, which again, got me into a bit of trouble, but that's fine. And then it changed for me. I became the underachiever. And for me, all it took to kill any belief I had in myself was in seventh grade when I didn't do so hot on a math test. I've never been good at math. I hated math. I still don't like math. But the comment that came up, this teacher was handing out our math tests and you know giving the other students the kudos like hey great job on this test because she, she would uh, call people i'll call call you know my classmates up 
to grab the test results from her desk and then you pick it up from her. She gives you a compliment or whatever. And then you go back to your desk. And when it was my turn to go up, I thought I did okay. I wasn't confident going into the test, but I figured, hey, maybe I got a 60% or something. And I failed. And of course, it's the first year of junior high. I think it was still the, the first semester or whatever. And she hands me this test and she says to me, wow, this is a horrible mark. You'll never amount to anything. And that was in front of the whole class. Actually, I, I think I did the worst on that particular test in that class. Maybe, maybe not, but it, you know, she said it loud and proud and in front of all my classmates. And I was really embarrassed. And of course, I was really upset. Like, why, why would you say such a crude thing in front of everyone? I mean, it could have been, hey, like, even if she would have said, like, study harder or something. And, and I, at the time, I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD. I didn't get diagnosed until I was 30. So here I am, this fresh kid in junior high, first year of junior high. And, and that's like one of the first comments that kind of stuck out. And I already wasn't doing very well with that transition from, from elementary to junior high. And that one to me was just like, well, why do I even bother? I've already screwed up, failed. So well, like, what, what's the point? And even then, like if it was, you know, do better, try harder, study more, study harder. You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ever implied, I don't think, to ask for help. Like, maybe study with a friend could have been a suggestion. Or, hey, why don't you stick around with me after class and, and like, maybe we can work this out. Or is there anybody you can go to that can help you? Like, that, that wasn't a thing. It was just, well, you're never going to amount to anything. Not with those grades. And it was just, it was just so abrupt and so... It sucked. <laughs> that's, that's really all that it is. It, it sucked. Um, and I think that's where I just kind of gave up. You know, like I, I still did okay in, in my other classes and the keyword is okay. I did best in art class and music class and English, but really a, a big chunk of my marks suffered because I just didn't really do a lot of homework. I was too busy. Uh, quote-unquote busy goofing off and riding my bike with my friends and getting my socks dirty and, and kind of causing a neighborhood ruckus sometimes. Nothing crazy, it's just I, I like going out to ride my bike. I liked being outside and I liked playing video games when it was winter. Like I just wanted to be with my friends and I just wanted to have fun. So I don't know, that there's no reason why one comment should have stuck with me but when you're in those years of development and you're growing up and you're, well, you know, I was a growing hormonal teenager. Like, what was I going to do? I don't know. I, I, I was a really angsty, sad kind of person. And I was not only that, but I was an angry person. 
And I think I, I became angry after that first year because all it took was like one really harsh comment to, for me to interpret it as like, I, I wasn't, nowhere in my mind did I ever think like, I'm gonna prove you wrong. My inner talk was like, I believed that teacher. And I, for a long time, I let it define me. For a long time, I let it like, I, yeah, I really believed like the only thing that I would ever amount to is just, I don't know, not getting very ahead in life, even though I had other skills, that I had great problem solving skills, that I was a fast thinker, that I was extremely creative. I enjoyed music. I had different ways of expressing myself. I really enjoyed writing. You would think I would have done better in, in English class, but uh, I just, again, I didn't do the homework. But when I would hand in my assignments, I never let the positive comments that came from one of my English teachers, I never let those ones sink in. And I can't even remember or imagine why, like, why didn't I believe that the positive things that other teachers might have had to say, like why those didn't stick? So I don't know, maybe it's just, I'm just processing what that all meant for me at the time and how it really shaped the person I became as a young adult and growing out of that into the person I am today and wondering how the things that I've learned today will shape the person that I am in the future. You know, I, I really, I really discounted a lot of my successes growing up. I discounted the essays that I would write and hand in and get, I don't know, really good marks on. Like I did pretty good when I would actually do the assignments and actually do the homework. My participation was always good. I did enjoy participating, save for that, you know, those classes where the teachers weren't all that encouraging. Um, I guess in part, it was not so much what was said, but how I received it and how I believed the negative over the positive and how I, I really, I think when I was a teenager and young adult, like I, I kind of had a self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, I suck at everything else. Oh, I'm never gonna pass this. I'm never gonna finish that. I'm just gonna coast and see what happens. And it wasn't horrible. Like I didn't, I wasn't struggling as a young adult. I was working. I actually held jobs for long periods of time. I, I didn't switch jobs very often, if at all. I think maybe I had two jobs, maybe three from from when I was 17 up until, I don't know, 25, 26, and then 30. And even just this year, like I, I made a career change and that's pretty cool. But I never took, I don't know, I, I always took the opportunities that were extremely safe. A, because, well, I mean, if I'm gonna take a job, like I wanna make sure that I have job security. So I, I, I would wait for a long time, like I would be in one job that I would enjoy and that I was good at. But if something else came along that 
might have been the right fit, I would take it and it would take a few years. But if in a certain workplace it was like, well, you would probably be actually be really good at this job. Uh, you could probably make more money. There might be a little bit of training, but you could totally take this, um, I don't know, um, finance manager position or this leadership position. And I was like, no, no, that's that's not that's not for somebody like me. That's no, I, I, nah, no thanks. I appreciate the offer, but no thanks. So I think, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I know that I'm smart. I know that I'm capable. And it feels weird for me to say that because I, I have been doing a lot of internal work to accept that. But I really dampened a lot of the opportunities that came my way in the past because I never once believed that I was suited for anything more than what I was already doing. And that was like a, a huge part of my, I guess, career is, was in retail. I dealt with people and I dealt with customers and there's no such thing as a holiday when you work in retail, but like I, I worked my butt off. And yeah, like I was really good at it. Most of the time I was in some kind of management position in retail jobs. But anything higher than that or any other job offers outside of those, um, I, I really didn't believe I could be any better than that. Unfortunately, a part of that too sort of comes from what I've personally experienced in, in the retail industry is I really don't like bringing this up but like a lot of racist comments like when I used to work at a mall at a particular store um, when it came to holiday season or when it came to returns um, there was one store that I worked at where it was exchange or store credit only that's fine I don't make the rules and I'm there as an employee to in uh, reinforce those rules um, while being, you know, a nice person. And some, and <laughs> there's like more comments that I can count. Like I said, it was a weekly thing and dealing with weekly berating racist and sexist comments at times every single week, you know, for, for <laughs> 10 years or more. Like, I thought it was normal for me to be treated that way. I Like, I was like, man, like, you're kind of a jerk. But at the time, it, it sort of would roll off of me. And I was like, well, okay, you're, you're an asshole. But I have to be professional and just keep my smile on and keep my game face on. I had a pair of shoes thrown at me once by a customer because I couldn't take them as a return. I don't even think they were from our store and they threw them at me. So that, that was interesting. <laughs> so there's one comment in particular that really sticks out for me and it was the holiday season and somebody wanted to do a return but it was from a different store and then we were uh, a different branch of, of the chain of stores and we had a different return policy than a couple of the other stores, whatever. And this person wants to do this return and this person says to me, the zipper ripped, tell your cousin back in China to go make me a better jacket. And I was like, that's that uh, I'm sorry that you feel that way but 
that's not going to help you, I need to say that. And also, I can't return that item, can't return that jacket for you. We can send it in for repair because it, it was past its, its return date anyway. I think it was actually like a year old, but it had a warranty on it and I offered what I could. And it was comments like that that I would get weekly. Comments of, well, you're not really the, the manager. There's got to be somebody else I can talk to. Uh, nope, that's me. Um, or even like, oh, well, you're you're too you're too young to be a manager. You're. Do you speak English? That that was a really interesting one. Um, when I worked at stores and you know had la had a lanyard on and stuff, it's, you know, no uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even believe. Like I get it, but damn, like walking up to me and asking me if I speak any English. Especially in a way that's like, oh, do you speak any English? Like, so, like, really? Yes, I speak English. Like, what? Like, very passive-aggressive, very just... I don't know. The, the point that I'm getting at is that I, I was treated that way in retail, not necessarily by managers and stuff, but, you know, I, I really believed that that's how I deserved to be treated. And I thought it was okay because the, the model thing that I had growing up with teachers was, you know, unfortunately, that one big impactful comment in seventh grade in math class. The one comment that said, you'll never amount to anything. I think it really shaped the direction that I took. And I think it, it, uh, made me, I made me, that was, that's, you know, it was a choice of how I took it and it was a choice of how I moved forward from it. And it wasn't, I don't know, maybe it wasn't the best choice, but I chose to believe that I would never amount to anything so that the treatment that I would get from customers, the treatment that I would get from just the, the berating comments, do your job better, be better. You can't do your job right. You're too young to have this job. Do you speak any English? Like, oh my God, like that's the one that just gets me every time. Like, do you speak any English? And especially if they say it to me, that's like, do you speak any English? And it's like, you're like, why? That's that's not appropriate. <laughs> like, just ask or just say, hi, how are you? Like, that's all you have to do. You don't have to be an asshole about it just because like, I look like at first glance, like maybe I don't speak any English. God, that pisses me off. Anyway. Um, <laughs> rebuilding belief within myself. Rebuilding belief within ourselves. It's amazing what one comment can do. And it's amazing what sticks. And it's amazing that when the negative thing sticks, how we hold ourselves back. I do look back now, and a lot of those experiences, a lot of those microaggressions, a lot of just not fun, undiagnosed ADHD stuff that I kind of wish I knew back then, but also I'm glad I didn't. It's really hard to rewrite those stories. When you're not with the right people and when you're not, uh, you know, when you're kind of stuck in your own head, I have personally found it really hard to believe the good stuff. I really do, I still do. It's hard. If there's ever a time or ever instances where 
you have been complimented for something. When somebody has encouraged you to try something new or to pursue something that you love because they genuinely believe that you'll be able to succeed at it. If you have a little dream in you that's like, I'm, I want to give this a try. I think I can make it work. You know, plan for it and give it a shot. Even if it results in not being completed or not reaching a milestone or not reaching a milestone when you intended to reach that goal. Try it out and see what sticks. Because we don't have to be, we don't have to live the old stories we tell ourselves. We don't have to believe the people that aren't even in our lives anymore. Like, what the hell? This teacher wasn't even in my life after seventh grade. It wasn't, wasn't even a full year. I think it was a semester. I didn't even have to have this teacher after that first year. But I allowed that comment to have probably one of the biggest impacts on my life. And even though it hurt, so much and I carried that for a really long time I don't want to let it define me now because I like to believe in people I like to see people succeed and there are people who have said the exact same thing to me that they want me to do cool stuff they want me to keep recording. They want me to keep writing. I don't know. They want to see me like when you're with the right people, you want to see each other succeed. And I think for the first time in a really long time, the, the happy voices and the positive voices are finally dampening all of that old shit. And the oppositional side of me says, don't listen to the good stuff. Don't listen to your dream. Because you're going to screw it up. So why bother? And now I'm starting to believe the reason why I bother is because it'll hurt more to get to the end of my life. To not have tried. Versus actually trying to do the things that I love. So if you need to rebuild some belief within yourself, the first step for me was to just, just, just experiment and try and fall over. I've fallen over a bunch. I've fallen over a lot. And it hurts to fall over, but if you put yourself with the right people and stop to ask for help when you need it, you're gonna have somebody else to help pick you up when you do fall. And if you don't like that route, you can always try another one. Not finishing something just because you wanted to try it out doesn't mean you failed. It just means that you learned something new and it's time to try the next thing. Even if it's the same path, maybe a different vehicle, I don't know. But try starting with a first action step, no matter how small it is. And for me, my first small action step was, like I said last week, I just hit record and I'm just talking and seeing what happens. And the more you repeat the action, even if it means that what you 
map out or what you do is a shitty first draft, then you can say, I tried that. And you can keep trying it and keep trying it until it sticks. Practice makes permanent, and that also means practicing what it could mean to rebuild that belief within ourselves. So I hope that a bit of this storytelling was helpful for you in some way, that you got something out of it, that maybe you've experienced something similar, and uh, don't give up. Don't give up. You're, you're worth more than any negative thing that anybody's ever said to you. Don't give up. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>